Do we count down? Do we already start? We're recording. I have no recollection. I I see it's recording. I have no recollection of us counting it down. <laughs> like zero. Oh my god. Do we really count it down? What are you talking about? I I just carbon monoxide. Do you want to restart ca- just ca- for the sake? No no no. Or- it'll be fine. Carbon monoxide leak. That's all. Hello and welcome to the Two Five O, the podcast where Douglas feeds me an egg and I shit out a pure white dove. I'm Jonathan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Douglas. How are you, Douglas? <laughs> oh, I'm doing good. It's, once again, me not reading the podcast where we are uh, paying off dividends. Uh-huh, uh-huh. If this is your first time tuning into the 250, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time, as of January 2020, and we'll be watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, our thoughts, and our reactions to the movies within. Today's movie number 83 is Amadeus. Amadeus follows a fictional rivalry between Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart and Antonio Salieri in the court of Joseph II, Emperor of Rome. Jealous of his natural skill and zest for life, Salieri tries to sabotage Mozart's career at any cost. Amadeus was directed by Milos Forman, uh, who's known for One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest and The People, the people vs. Larry Flint. I didn't get the whole story on this, but Peter Schaefer is credited as one of the writers, and he's like a playwright. Correct. Correct. Zdenek Mahler, who is a Czech guy, who did The Butcher of Prague <laughs> and Svatbo Jako Remen. I have not seen this film before, Dalton. I gather you have. I certainly have, but I saw it when I would have been 12, I think, yeah, at it, the time. When's it from and- again? A lot of it flew over my head. It's 1984. Yeah, okay. It's been around for a while. Yeah. No worries. Uh, yeah. It was- I was going to say, have we done One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest yet? But no, that's number 18. So we've ways to go before yes. we get that. Yep. Smidgen. Uh, well, I guess I'll open, given that you've got a big history with it. I- I do. I, 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 I wasn't convinced for the first hour or so. I didn't think it was bad. But I was mm. like, I don't know. And then I think it started, I think I started getting into it more. Once I knew it wasn't biographical, that like really mm. sparked some interest in me. And I- Totally. Because it's a more creative retelling of, mm. of a story. Yeah. It's sort of interesting. I, I, I feel like we had something similar to this. Like the concept of sort of just using well-known characters or like, you know, historical figures. Sort of like Are little- you kidding me? Sort of like little play puppets. Oh, yeah. It's like um, Death of Stalin, I suppose. Oh, my God. No. Are you serious? What, what are you- That was what? like the last one I was thinking you would pick. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. What have I missed? <laughs> it's no secret that Amadeus and this whole kind of shtick of one creative person being very- forward in their field and succeeding a lot <laughs> and the other one that's not even you know like succeeding i mean that's cool not. that's cool it's not even what i'm talking about Douglas. i'm just talking about taking historical figures and like using them as yes okay, yes okay yes and there's another piece of media that does that and does what armadeus is doing as well and it's a musical i'm not just tell me hamilton Oh, I've never watched that shit, and I don't intend to. Oh, so. my God. Well, it's the whole bit of <laughs> Hamilton is that it's none of the shit that- Well, some of the shit that happened in Hamilton is real, but a lot of it is, you know, 
Lin-Manuel Miranda taking creative license and just using historical figures as a means of uh, bringing- I take great pride that Hamilton did not come to mind. Great, great pride. I'm very <laughs> pleased with myself. I think that says really good things about me. That, that Speaks is- volumes about the pair of us. Yeah, true. Exactly, enough. exactly. Yeah, so, f- so fuck you. I was thinking about movies, Douglas, the superior medium- Art form. <laughs> I do not believe this. I do not believe this. <laughs> well, wee-woo, wee-woo. I have, I have, le- I have learned to appreciate film. I suppose after four years of po- movie podcast, but yeah, yeah, I like movies better than TV. Through I'm learning. I'm learning that very quickly. Exposure therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You've grown to exactly. <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. Exactly. But yeah, that's the. I just wanted to say that it's it, it's kind of like Hamilton, ha mm. ha ha, or like Douglas, Death of Stalin, <laughs> or like Death of Stalin. If you like either of those things, you'll love Amadeus because it's yeah, very much more of that. Mm, because the way that I I haven't looked at any of the actors in my head, it was Nicholas Holt, and I'm like, it's not Nicholas Holt. No, but it totally <laughs> could have been in a modern day yeah, yeah. casting. Given that given Dream that the cast. film is like forty years old. Probably wasn't Nicholas Holt. <laughs> perhaps. It's Tom Holchie. What's he done? Oh, yeah, because I remember this. You look at his photo, he looked completely fucking different. Totally. Hasn't so done funny. a lot. Uh, he did Quasimodo in Hunchback of Notre Dame, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, only 31 acting credits, which is crazy because I thought he was really good in this. Like, I agree. It's like a very- a fantastic rock star kind of Mozart, you know? Yeah, yeah. I- Oh, I mean, I can dive right into what we're already talking about it. I did find the depiction a little grating. It was sort of like Johnny Depp, Willy Wonka, a little bit. Like he's <laughs> he's just he's just like too much, right? And he has this like crazy laugh that's very iconic. And I think that is mm-hmm. more depicted as like him being like nervous, you know, um, like his like uncomfortable laugh that he. Just does to put like a little dot at the end of the sentence. It's a nervous twitch almost. Yeah. Yeah. But in general, he's he's a lot. And maybe just a little. It's a little too much. Just a tiny bit too much. But Interesting. But but it also like when you're like, okay, well, we're not being super historically accurate, then you're kind of like, okay, cool. We're sort of. Because the other thing was the, the, the general concept of basically a, it about being this dude who's really jealous and trying to undermine this guy, that it, it's not enough to ride through three hours of movie and keep me interested, but the film becomes about sort of just about the two individual characters and their interactions mm. are not unimportant, but it's more about like, how they personally react to the interactions as opposed to, like, the interactions themselves. They're normally quite simple, like, I don't want to spoil anything. On paper. Yeah. yeah. But for the first half of the film, it's like Mozart does something and it works out and Salieri gets really jealous and fussy about it. And that's sort of it. Or Salieri does something, but he kind of gets reamed by it. And then Mozart does something that's kind of adjacent to it. And then he gets nothing but fame and glory and... A uh, reputation, not necessarily money, but he always got the attention. And yeah. I think from a creative's perspective, from a performer creative's perspective, the way that performers chase 
the serotonin and the dopamine of applause mm. is so fucking real. And it depends. There are two kinds of performers, right? Like, there's the kinds of performers who, I guess, unintentionally thrive off of that serotonin and dopamine, and they just kind of, they're a part of it. And then there are the other performers who are so fucking down bad hungry for it that they just become venomous and toxic because they're just so, give it to me, I need it, I need that fucking applause, I need the the recognition, the the respect, the legacy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which I find very interesting. Yeah, it was cool. It was, and, and From a creative's perspective. From a creative's perspective. Yeah. <laughs> That's a dancer. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't my wanna... Mozart's laugh is that my laugh sounds like Jimmy Carr's laugh. The <laughs> you do like that's it. my Mozart laugh. I was like, I like, I was like, I kind of laugh like that. I'm not even gonna front. You can, <laughs> like, just, like, yeah, you get pretty, you get like pretty that. damn close. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm. So what uh, I'm trying to say is I'm Mozart. Um, yeah, basically, <laughs> basically. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't want to dive too deep to into the. Story. I think maybe I think both the performances are quite good. And this is the other thing is that like I, I the film was three hours. Pretty much bang on the money as well, right? Yeah. It actually yeah, it, it actually didn't really drag. Like the pacing of it is stellar compared to some of like I think the story is complex. The other three that, hour films we've had, yeah. Yeah. I forgot the last the last one we had that was like two and a half hours was a couple of movies ago and I was like, Oh yeah, you could trim that easy. 2001 mm. was like that. You're like, oh, easy, 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 easy. You could trim time off of that. Whereas <laughs> this one had enough going on and it didn't seem like, like it did complain about three minutes ago about this sort of general structure of the story not being that mind-blowing and, and out there. But I did still think that it all sort of felt like it had its place. Like none of it was like, okay, we get it, you know. Or it would be for a second, it'd be like, okay, we get it. He's still jealous about this, but it would, you know, the back and forth would sort of get your attention again. Um, I don't think we've had like a a long ass film like that that I felt deserved it in a little while. Yeah. Mm. Um, but that was nice, you know. That's a nice outcome for someone to be like, oh yeah, I had to punch through this and actually made it worthwhile. Um, yeah. Hmm. What uh, What do you What do you think of F. Murray Abraham? Oh, fucking, I, who I, we have seen previously in the two five zero four. Oh, he's in Grand Budapest. That's right. Yep. And no, uh, Scarface. Oh, he's in Lewin Davis as well. Yep. Uh, who's in Scarface? He's a music producer guy that Lewin Davis is trying to rub shoulders with in inside Lewin Davis. Yep. Huh. Um. <laughs> huh. Huh. No recollection. Yeah. No recollection at all. But he's very good. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I, 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 like, oh, him as, like, the old, old, old Salieri was mm. very interesting. I, big props to the makeup department on that one. Ah, insane job, yeah. Makes him look so fucked up. And it, it, it was, uh, this is a pretty minor complaint. He, he more or less still talks like he does when he's supposed to be, like, younger. The when old, he's old. yeah. He isn't, like, slowed down or, like, croaky or anything. But that's fine. Um, they yeah. really pulled no punches with making him look like seriously fucked up. <laughs> like, 
like teeth are like completely like yellow brown his fucking yeah, eyes yeah. are all sunken and he's like wrinkles on his hands and yeah. like the little spots and moles and stuff yeah mm. so cool and um yeah i think it i normally sort of cringe at structuring a film as you know just like it's this sort of interview i suppose structure like oh, narration like postmortem yeah yeah and I think generally it doesn't add too much, but it is done for basically for the ending and the like outcome of this conversation he's having with the bishop, I'm gonna say, or reverend or whatever. So it was also like not distracting. So I'm not really complaining about it. And when you've got a character who is supposed to be so, like, pious, I think that's a good way to sort of highlight that and also highlight his change as a character. So, it's not a very complicated way to do it, but I think it works without needing to- I mean, he also- he also sort of does just exposit (laughs) his, like, change in psyche, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, and there's a couple of moments of narration and stuff as well that happening through the present to the past, if that makes any sense. You know, like, he'll be speaking in the present, but then- the visuals will take us back into the past. So it kind of diegetically makes sense in the form of his voice being there. It's not really narration, so to speak. It's he's telling the story. We're just being presented with the visuals. But yeah, I can, I can, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. That said, I had. I completely forgot what I was saying. <laughs> you had like a fun time with this movie. <laughs> I did. I did. No, no, no. I had something. Oh, talking about, like, diegetic, getting in amongst it. And I I only really picked this late into the film, but there's lots of moments where Mozart is reading or writing through a piece and you hear the song come in and you sort of realise at the end that that's meant to be basically, like, inside his head. His head. Yeah, he, yeah, he's able to just like slam it out, which I uh, I thought was a great touch. I and I wonder if that was the intended move for them to be for it to be like a realization of the end, or if I am just too stupid and only picked it up. No, when I it picked was it up pretty quickly. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a- <laughs> fuck yeah, dope, <laughs> babouche. It's kind of like um, Chinatown move. But like, if you haven't worked it yes. out by now, here's uh, it's here's the 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 nail in the coffin <laughs> for all the dummies yeah. in the in. Well, I still appreciated it, and I thought it was cool. I knew, yeah, exactly. And I, and yep. I looked back at it, and I was like, okay, I get it. Awesome. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if there was anything else really like that. Maybe not. Um, yeah. F Murray Abraham. I bel- I hardly know Murray Abraham. <laughs> anyway. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I agree with, yeah, all of the, the comments on Salieri that you pose, but I think I just, the way Abraham portrays the ambition and the drive of Salieri, I really got behind watching it this time. Obviously, as a fucking adult and not a, like a, 10 12 year old kid or whatever 
there's so much that he does with his eyes that I don't really, I can't explain it. He just has very engaging eyes, which is Mm. a very hard talent to train in an actor because if you can capture an audience with just your eyes and you don't have to say a fucking word, then like that's cash money. You can write that shit until you die, which F. Murray Abraham presently is. So yeah, I, it was really cool to see him in, I guess his quote unquote younger years, Mm. still just absolutely smashing it as far as the presence and the intention that he brings to the scene work that he does. It's so obvious that he's done his research and very much built and developed this character and the relationships and the interactions that he has with everyone not just mozart but Mm. everyone around him there's he presents himself in different ways dependent on circumstance and context which i also find very interesting as well for this particular time period as well obviously there's different ways that people carry themselves or ways that they speak dependent on the presence that they're around and yeah i really like that and then the one that shakes it up completely and pretty much just always gives the same no matter where they are, which is very, I guess, a very fun way to play Emperor Joseph II. Oh, yes. Um, played by Jeffrey Jones. He has the exact same energy no matter where he goes in comparison to, in juxta- juxtaposition to the rest of the characters, where whenever they come into the Emperor, there's always, oh, your grace and your majesty, and, you know, everything's very prim and proper, but he's always just kind of like, whoa. All right. Okay. <laughs> he was cool. He was just like as a character, him being- I love a, him so much. Yeah, very much like a patron of the arts, which I think you maybe don't initially expect from him. Like mm. his whole deal is just like, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm into that. And and people will, people will be, you know, oh, this is not the right way to do it. And it's like, oh no, it sounds cool to me. Maybe we should do that. Yeah. Which yeah. I, uh, I mean- just work as a good foil and well I, I do wonder how closely this is written to the original stage show Mozart pretty and close. Salieri. Pretty okay. close. Have you seen it? Have you read it? No. I've read it. Pretty like before this? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I did one of the monologues. I did one of um oh, wow, cool. Salieri's monologues. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Oh, okay, sweet. That's yeah. You should have dropped that earlier. <laughs> well, I, you know, I didn't want to bat on about well, the the work of a critic, the life of an artist. And a do they do much? I'm it assuming is a California champ. <laughs> I'm assuming that something like this is just a really good opportunity for some theatre heads to be like, we're gonna perform all these little slices of big Mozart shows that we liked. Like, is do they do they? Cause, oh yeah, totally. Because the film's yeah. got all the little vignettes from like his shows and mm, stuff. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. They just do that. They just whenever it goes to like a stage bit, usually how it's staged, they have the stage bit happening on mm, about two thirds of the stage, and then Mozart composing like on the right, side, or Salieri right. composing on the side, and usually it's done with a live orchestra as well. So then he's kind of conducting the conductor who's conducting the orchestra so it's uh-huh. a bit of a yeah it's a really interesting play to see staged oh, yeah it's be such a film, I surely i've only when seen you recording it, of it surely when you do it you're like well we we're gonna have a real orchestra for this <laughs> you know we're not gonna oh, fucking it's fucking yeah no no no, no, no. there's no way around. you do amadeus and half arse it and just get 
you know, playback or yeah. something like that. Yeah, you've got to get an orchestra. Uh, that said, like, yeah. you're sort of, like, amateur or, like, smaller time musicians are normally itching for, you know, shit to do like this anyway. So, it's probably actually yeah. not that big of a deal to, like, make it happen, I suppose. Rally them together. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Douglas, mm. maybe we mm. should get a bit deeper into the plot and you can tell me how much it's like the real deal in the spoiler zone. But before we go, Jonathan, do you recommend 1984's Amadeus? Oh my god, Douglas, I think I do. I think so. I haven't I, st- I still don't have like a rating for um Yeah, you have at least a 4, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Um it's yeah, it's funny cuz it, it it didn't really blow me away with anything, but for a film to be 3 hours and for me to not be fucking over it, like yeah, that yeah. says a lot on its own, so. Totally. I'm not about to leap out of my seat and go re-watch Amadeus. Like, it's not one of those ones where I'm like, I've got to watch it again, like, right now. Mm. But in about probably the same amount of time that from me being a 12-year-old boy to being a 27-year-old man, I might check out Amadeus again in perhaps a slightly shorter time frame period, maybe like six years or something. Mm. And yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go. Oh, Amadeus! You know, I would. It's. It'd. I'd genuinely be keen to revisit it once I've forgotten about some of the nitty gritty details. Yeah, yeah, nice. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not one of those like I got spin it again, put it in. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's reasonable. I don't think you have the time. To do that, <laughs> set aside. Yeah, three. Goddamn it. Well, that being said. There is the year of 2022 where I rewatched The Batman six times, and that's a three-hour-long movie, so... Wait, is that also the year that you watched all the Harry Potter films, or the year before that? That was the year before. Damn. That was a big year. That was a big year for film. Film. Absolutely. Uh, any content warnings? Um, Salieri tries to kill himself, but that kind of happens off-screen, and we just kind of see the aftermath of it, but still... It's at the very start of the film, Jonathan. Are you kidding me? That's why he has the bandage around his neck. All right. Oh. <laughs> That's why he gets sent off to the the it's a hospital. Long, it's a long movie. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, yes, there is that. I mean, there's um some of the not niceties of 1700s life, I suppose. You know, there's uh. Yeah. It's not too bad. There is. Oh yes. Um. Salieri s- s- sort of like, I suppose, sexually assaults or whatever a character. Like, there's nothing physical. He like tries to force her to have sex with him to like further his agenda, but then he like humiliates her instead. Wait, what? Hello, this is editing Douglas. So, once this penny gets dropped, Douglas and Jonathan proceed to go into an argument. A very heated argument about the legitimacy behind Costanza's reaction to Salieri basically coming onto her and then her enthusiasm for it seeming very out of place in Douglas's mind, but then Jonathan saying that it's more so Costanza being there because she just kind of has to and she's giving a bit of a front, but I think what Douglas was trying to get across was that it just felt very out of place, Constanza's. Anyway, 
it was a it was a heated argument that didn't need to go <laughs> as big as it did. And so for your for the safety of your ears, I have since cut it from this recording. Uh, but you may hear it referenced <laughs> later on in the rest of the episode. <laughs> Thank you for your time. I hope you enjoyed What do you how do you feel about the damn how dramatic uh, Mozart's dad is in that stupid black robe with like the angry face. Oh and the yeah, smiley the, face. and the smiley face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, kind you of need a goofy that, scene where he's like facing he's, away and it's a smiley face and he turns towards him. Bang, bang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's like angry on the back. He turns around and he's like, "Oh my god, he's angry at me." And then he turns around to smiley face. He's like, "Oh, he's happy." And then he takes the mask off and he's angry again. It's like a complete like stupid where's Wally moment. Um, did not expect that to reappear, but I thought it was very fun. <laughs> I think it's a, I think the mask is dumb, but the rest of the outfit screams very, like, <laughs> Assassin's Creed kind of Very core, you know. Yeah, like the tricorn. costumes, and- Douglas. Fantastic costume design, yeah. Across the board. Which is, has got to have been, like, an absurd amount of work. What's the budget yeah. of this thing? 18 million. I mean, it's not a small amount of money, but also- Oh, yeah, Mm. that's true. Yeah, so it was probably, like, a a decent blockbuster then, I suppose. Well, not a blockbuster, but definitely meant to- um, Perform well. And it did. Made Mm. back its- uh, Made back 52 million. So- But I still don't think it hit from what I'm reading in the trivia. It still didn't hit the box office top five. Interesting. Okay. Mm. I wonder what was in 1984. 1984 was a big year. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking um, Terminator and Ghostbusters came out in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. They would have been eating up at the fucking cinema. Footloose? Are you kidding me? Cool. I, 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 Karate Kid? What a time. I th- Think I loved. I think this maybe. No, I think it was good. Maybe a little goofy. I'm not sure. I'm I'm back and forth on it. But I do like how the entire way through, like Mozart is like convinced that Salieri like means the best for him, and like I mean, it's the whole character is he's he's just so psyched about making music and yeah. just getting out and performing. Like he also is like a huge party head, you know. But he's he's like childish. that's what he's there for. Yeah. I guess so, yeah, 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 yeah. But he's not, like, scarred by this weird, like, religious essentialism he's, like, put on top of his performance. And he's just, like, out there doing it for fun and, like, living life. I thought, um... Yeah. Yeah, and, uh... Because there's, like, this whole back and forth and their relationship, like, Sally... I think maybe that was another thing that kind of put me off, like, oh, the story's just, like, basically about his jealousy. Because the whole time, like... He's he's jealous, but he also legitimately appreciates his ability. Like, he's not going to his shows to, like, hate watch them. Or maybe he's a little bit, but he still knows that this is, like, the best composition of his time. ingenious creative process, yeah. And as, yeah, he's, yeah. as he's sitting there writing this last piece as Mozart yeah. is- That's the- And he's just, like- slamming it out and he's like oh my god i can't even fucking keep up that's with you. the like, this that's is how- the scene of the film for me that final scene Absolutely. between him and mozart and the technical precision that mozart is you know explaining what he wants and the language that he is explaining it with and then salieri 
while still having years upon years upon years of hatred and envy and distaste for him as a person, can't help but get swept up in the whole creative process and the genius of it all and the the excitement and the 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 joy that comes out of creating that with Mozart or sharing that creativity with Mozart yeah. is yeah that's really beautiful um yeah and i got goosebumps in that scene it was so good. it's it's really interesting that despite that he still keeps pushing him and it's a little unclear mm. whether it is out of like his amazement for it or yeah like you've got to keep going or whether it's like i can see you're on your last legs here so mm. let's fucking get this out of you before you fucking kill all it mm, yeah uh really cool yeah interesting it's i mean it's it's probably worth another watch just to reassess his like relationship with him the whole way through because it's mm. i think you maybe maybe i was like fooled into like a false sense of security of like he uh He's just jealous, you know, and it's and that's all it is, and he's just trying to push him out of his life. In fact, a little similar to next week's film, Douglas, in a way. <laughs> What's next week's film? Toy Story. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of similar, I don't know. Oh, my God. The, the parallels that we're drawing here are getting kookier and kookier. <laughs> I, think there's, I think there's a connection there. I think I'm, I think I'm on top of it. <laughs> I'll let you live that out. Because you're living <laughs> out so many weird fantasies this episode. I'm going to, you oh know. Oh, my God. Let you have um, that one as well, I suppose. <sighs> you are the worst. Um, and we're going to have this conversation again when you've calmed down, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about- take, Actually, no. Do we, have any, do, we have any, do we have any final notes, Douglas? Just skim your notey bookie. Shining light. Uh, the Emperor's- there it is. At like nearly the end of every oh, yeah, yeah. scene that he's in, or whenever something just kind of yeah, happens, yeah. he's always And there it is. There it is. And then oh, there it is. carries on. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I want to carry that kind of energy with me. Whenever just something happens, I go, There it is. And then <laughs> uh, Iconic. Um I like how the film treats composers as rock stars, how they're almost kind of like Beatles Mania sort of energy, you know? Which probably would have been happening around this time as well, Beatles Mania. So, um, yeah, just really like how it treats Mozart and Salieri and the composers of the film as, yeah, rock stars. Um, because they would have been at the time. That's how fucking people have been treating musicians since fucking people were able to make money from music. <laughs> so, yeah, that's really cool. And, uh, because, I will note it whenever it is used in film, uh, because I love it just as a piece of score. Lacrimosa, of course, it's used in the fucking film about Mozart. It never gets old. I fucking love Lacrimosa. It's gotta be one of my favorite classical compositions ever. Full stop. Mm. It's so emotionally evocative as a piece of score. And yeah, just so cool. Love when it's used as well. Uh, <coughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I do have like a nitpick, which is I think that ending the film with like Mozart's laugh, like a ghost laugh thing, did not feel like a good way to end it to me. I don't know. Like him just like rolling off into the sunset in the asylum seemed really good. And then 
I don't know. Felt out of place. Felt odd. Wasn't there something about Salieri wanting to get the last laugh, though? Was there? There was a line where Salieri was saying that I still don't like him if that's the case. There was a line where he was saying, for once I want to get the last laugh. And I think that is implying that it's still Mozart who's getting the last laugh because no one Mm. remembers Salieri, but everyone remembers Mozart. Yeah. I don't know. It's sort of like when you hear, like, a character's- um, you like hear like a character repeat something, or like like the like the ghost of a character repeat something back to yeah, sure. Basically, just to be like the audience. I'll agree have with you. Like, is it goofy? Yes, but does it does it work within the confines of what they were talking about? I think so, and I think that's so. Fuck you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, do you have any trivia, Douglas? <laughs> cool. Great. Ah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, when shooting the scene in which Salieri is writing down the death mass under Mozart's dictation, Tom Holchi was deliberately skipping lines to confuse F. Murray Abraham in order to achieve the impression that Salieri wasn't able to fully understand the music being dictated. Ah, oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Very that's cool good. move, Tom. But uh, if I were Abraham, I would be having a fucking heart attack on set. But, <laughs> you know, I guess that's the kind of, that's the vibe that you want. And- I was who fuck who the fuck was I watching? Um, who's the guy in the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves? Who's the bad guy in that? Um, Hugh Hugh Grant. Laurie? Hugh Laurie. Grant? Not Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie's house. Hugh Laurie's house, isn't he? Yeah, I only know like all these Hutes are the same. Uh, Hugh Hutes. Hutes. All these Hughes. All these Hughes are the same to me. Same Hugh. Uh, yes, it is Hugh Grant. I was watching a video where Hugh Grant was talking about acting and he was like it's a very powerful thing when you get two actors who are so in the pocket of their characters that they can just get on set just breathe and then kind of go with it and they can Mm. explore and create and do something different and then that usually ends up being the take that gets used because it has that freshness to it the rawness uh that's there so i yeah dips will lead for tom and abraham creating that kind of connection even though we didn't know about it you still feel yeah. it while you're watching regardless of that piece of trivia you still feel that sense of unease and loss of balance i guess almost in that scene yeah very cool mm. yeah several professors of music stated after studying all of the musical keys struck on pianos throughout the film that not one key is struck incorrectly when compared to what is heard at the exact same moment in other in other words what you see is exactly what you hear. Yeah, wow. Fucking tip top. I like top. that. I mean, you, you, I, I love when, uh, have you seen videos where people will retranscribe the sound onto like performers <laughs> doing yeah. like music and yeah. like, it's big in like animation. Yeah. Where you're just like, this doesn't sync up at all. This looks stupid. <laughs> this looks fucking awful. Yeah. Tom Holchi said he based Mozart's distinctive, obnoxious laugh on a very famous director he worked with who laughed in an identical manner. As of 2016, he has still refused to name the director. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Uh, uh, That really was Tom Holchi playing the piano on his back in one scene. Holy crap. Okay, that's dope. Fucking crazy. So cool. Mm. Since the movie wasn't financed by a major studio, Orion Pictures promoted the film with a music video featuring David Lee Roth and cuts of Bruce Springsteen, Van Halen, Kiss, Michael Jackson, David Bowie, and Madonna dancing along to Mozart's Symphony No. 25 in G minor. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's a vibe. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Several real events from Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart's life were incorporated into the screenplay, including the interlude between the child Mozart and Marie Antoinette, and the Empress comment that abduction from the Seraglio had too many notes. I also, I looked at it and apparently Mozart did actually get like an anonymous request to write a composition, mm. but it was someone who's uh, like a prince or a king or someone whose wife had died and they didn't yeah. want to make a big, big deal about it. Make themselves but it's, it's known. cool that they like sort of like took that and took it at like a slightly different angle. Used it as a, yeah, as a means for Salieri. Mm. Yeah. Uh, F. Murray Abraham was in the makeup chair for an average of 4.5 hours each day he played the old age Salieri. Holy crap. It's a long yeah, time believe in the that. chair. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, definitely believe it. Yeah. Uh, and finally, it has been claimed that the concept for Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart's bizarre laugh was taken from references in letters written about him by two women who met him that describe him as laughing in an infectious giddy, which sounds like metal scraping glass. No citations have ever been provided for these letters, however. There is no indication as to who wrote them, to whom, or when. And in the absence of further citations, these claims of historical evidence for Mozart's laugh should be regarded as dubious at best. Robert L. Marshall, writing in film as musicology, Armadeus, says that there is, quote, absolutely no historical evidence for this idiosyncrasy. We simply have no contemporary testimony at all as to how Mozart sounded when he laughed, end quote. Marshall goes on to explain that the laugh is a dramatic device representing the mocking laughter of the gods, as Salieri states in the script. Yeah, cool. I reckon it works for that. Mm. I didn't really read it that way, I suppose, but maybe it was maybe subconsciously. Well, you can just read it however you want, can't you? That's the cool thing about film mm. is that we all come up with our own opinions and we all have something different God. to say. You are fucking impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Finish the fucking trivia. No, that was it. That was the last one. I'm all done. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Cool. All I want to say, Douglas, is that I think that she was they were a very she good couple. <laughs> they were so <laughs> you, dedicated to each other. True, 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 true. Stan said Mozart, like, they went through a lot, and by the end of the film, they still ended up together. Because I liked how into each other they constantly yeah, were. Yeah, And I think that I, I was like, at least in my head, I was like, she is at this level of desperation that, that she thinks this is the only direction. True, yes. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's doing it for Mozart. Yeah. But- it's there's still the like ah oh, fuck like I don't actually want to do this like yeah yeah I yeah. can get behind that definitely cool I won easy uh, <laughs> thank you for uh, no sorry if you enjoyed listening to <laughs> two five zero we put out new episodes every week Tuesday midnight Australian <laughs> Eastern Standard Time which comes out to Monday afternoons Europe and Monday mornings. In America, oh God. Douglas, where can people go if they want more info on the podcast? That's the hardest bait and switch I've ever had in my entire it life. Even, it wasn't even that. I thought you were going to cool, push I, back, I, and I was like, uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to push back on it. And then as soon as I realized you were like, oh, that, that might have some merit, I'm like, yes! <laughs> tell them about the website. Chess pieces in place. Checkmate. <laughs> Uh, if you would like more information about the podcast, go to www.250.com and has a full list of IMDb's top 250 films of all time as of January 2020, which is the list we'll be using for the remainder of the podcast. There are three links at the top of the website. We should put Letterbox on there as well, should we? Probably not. There's three links uh, at the top of the website. There's a link to listen to us on Spotify. There's a link to check out our Instagram, which is at 250pod. 
we do little teaser snippety doodads of what's coming up on the 250 as well as nothing else. Uh, and then <laughs> there's uh, a link to get in touch with us via email, which is mail at 250.com. If you'd like a more professional means of communication, please sponsor us. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it completely threw me off because you did it slightly differently to how you normally do it. <laughs> Douglas and I both use Letterboxd, which is a movie tracking and reviewing website that I'm a great- We are a great big fan of. We are a- Fans of. <laughs> we are a great big fan of it. Wow, really uh, My account on Letterboxd is Upa, that is U-U-U-P-A-H, and Douglas. Three for a loop. My account is Ienzo9, I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T, Ienzo9. You can look up Upa, Ienzo9, or 250 in the Letterbox search engine and you'll find us. We do written reviews of all the films that we talk about here on the 250, as well as anything else that we watch in our spare time. On the 26th of November, I threw a house party at my place. It's like a farewell to one of my friends. And the one of the... First things that we bonded over, they're a dancer as well. One of the first things that we bonded over was our love for romance films. And uh, we initially started talking about Before Sunrise and then Before Sunset, In Mood for Love. Um, You know, just the the golden hits, you know, of romance film, basically. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind as well. Um, And because this farewell party was for them at, I think it must have been... Midnight, we put on Before Sunrise, and we watched Before Sunrise, me, him, and, like, six other people who had never seen it before. Um, They all thought Jesse was really creepy. <laughs> and I was like, mm, yeah, fair enough, like, I get it. But when you get to the end and then, you know, it kind of all makes more sense of, like, where his head is at and him, his old personality and everything. Mm. So many vignettes are so memorable, dude. Like, I just fucking... Every single build-up towards certain scenes, I was like... The poem guy, every like the lead up to the poem guy, I was like reaching for my friend. I was like, "Oh my god, the poem bit!" And then like, "Oh, the listening room bit!" Oh my god, like it's just so <laughs> iconic, you know. And the lead ups to them are so indicative, like they're so memorable. Yeah, just fantastic mm. vignettes. Mm. And then immediately after that, uh, because everyone was still awake for some reason, it was like three a.m. and everyone was just still all kind of vibing. So I just put on My Neighbor Totoro as, like, something to watch in the background. But then we all just kind of ended up just watching that instead and just, like, really locking into it. It's just so nice. Um, I forgot about the the commentary around climate somehow in watching it mm. that time. I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. And then the third act gets really scary for no reason at all. And then it all just kind of ends up being resolved and everything is fine. That's one of my least favorite bits of my David Totoro. I'm like, why can't everything just be nice? Like, why did you have to <laughs> throw in this, like, memories of murder fucking, like, oh my god, did the kid die? Are they dead? Bit? Like, did they drown? Bit? Why did we have to do that, Miyazaki? Like, why couldn't you just let them, like, Bounce around on Totoro's belly for a little bit, and they go home, and then everything is fine. <clears throat> Why did you have to do that in the third act, Miyazaki? Why? I want answers <laughs> directed to my DMs <clears throat> at 250pod on Instagram. <laughs> uh, and I watched Hocus Pocus stuff. <laughs> okay. Tell me, tell me, uh, tell me about Hocus Pocus. My, in the, you watched uh, it in November? I don't know, man. Okay, sure. Like, not it wasn't Halloween. Planned. That's fine. It wasn't planned. Okay. Um, it's pr- 
pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bad movie. <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say about it, I feel. What? <laughs> what? My, my, what? <laughs> my mic died out. It's back again now. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I said Douglas. Hi. It's not very good. <laughs> um, whatever, it's fine. Um, it's a kid's movie. There's not much. There's not much value. Oh no! No, 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 I forgot. No, the great thing about this movie is that they are just ragging on this fucking 14-year-old for an, for an hour and a half that he's a virgin. The whole, <laughs> like, straight up. Because it's like, they're like, oh, if a virgin lights this candle, it will bring back the witches or whatever. And then they're just like, oh, a, my virgin fucking brother mm, lit the candle. What a dingus. What a fucking virgin. Are they supposed hey, to be like, like teenagers? Like they're supposed to be like 15 or whatever? He's like, he's like 14 and his sister <laughs> is like 10. And she's like, my fucking virgin ass I can't believe brother. he's a virgin. Mm, <laughs> what a drag. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's sort of good for that alone. It's got <laughs> to be the most times. In fact, like the most times the word virgin has been used in a feature, <laughs> it's got to be in the top five. They keep, they probably say the word virgin like wow. 20 times in this movie. It's insane. Wow. Completely bizarre. Anyway, Sorry, the I had no to good. wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle. That's one of the weirdest flexes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's superb. Yeah. Um, anyway, thanks everyone for listening to this, this very unhinged episode. episode of the two folk. You said yeah. charming and I said unhinged. Because you won the argument. That's why that's why you say charming. I'm feeling charmed for sure. Mm. And uh if you're also feeling charmed, come along next week. We're we're talking Toy Story. A movie about a bunch of toys. A bunch of toys, yeah. I don't have a bit. And like abandonment issues. I don't know. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.